0: On oh, George Kennedy is my co-pilot, we look at the lengthy, always unique career of one of the finest character actors to ever live, George Kennedy. On this episode, we're looking at the spoof crime film The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad from 1988. Welcome to George Kennedy as my co-pilot, a podcast devoted to the always wonderful George Kennedy. I'm Doug Tilley, and with me is my usual Cinema Smokersport co-host, it's Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm pretty good. How are you, Doug? Liam, it's uh, it's the the midst of the the dog days of summer. Uh, yeah. It's warm all the time. How are you enjoying that? Do you enjoy the, the deep heat, Liam?
1: I, the way I describe it to people here is I wouldn't like it as much if we didn't live in a hellish winter like, like, torture scape, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I need to power up my solar cells now because, like, it'll be snowing by Halloween. So I might as well fucking get this. You are notoriously a
0: lover of heat, though. That's correct, right? I mean... You love it. I
1: was much more a fan of heat about 60 pounds ago. Oh, but, but as of right now, I still like it more than being cold. But I've become... A lot more adjusted to the mild seventies. I used to say it wasn't worth going outside till it was over eighty degrees. That's literally how I felt when I was in my twenties, and now I'm like a good seventy-four. Man, give me a good seventy-four. That's these numbers. Nice. These numbers mean nothing to me. William. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I don't know what Celsius says, Doug. It's it's a magic trick. I don't understand.
0: It's very easy to understand. It's, uh, it's probably superior. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other about that or the metric system. I, similarly,
1: I don't actually care
0: one way or the other. I just know that I can't convert it in my brain, and it's just a, a, a constant frustration, especially when it's very warm where I am in Ontario, which is probably... That might seem a little foreign to people in the States who don't realize how humid it gets in this part of the country. And it just gets ridiculous sometimes. And it's like, hey, you know, don't forget about us. It's a big uh, 35 degrees. And people are like, 35? What does that even mean? And I'm like, I don't know.
1: So let me say here. What I was saying was twenty three degrees Celsius. Is that a thing? Twenty three. So that seems very mild. I used to think. I used to think that was too mild to be enjoyable, and now I I long for it. It sounds like a a, a nice balm on my soul.
0: Here's where you need to go: Newfoundland, Canada, where I grew up, (laughs) because it'll never get higher than twenty (laughs) three.
1: Oh no, that see that's I don't know if that's what I want at all.
0: Well, with the figures towering as George Kennedy to discuss, we of course need a ringer. Joining us as always is the great Sarah Jane. How are you doing today, Sarah?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I am enjoying this discussion of heat uh, just because I hate the heat. I (laughs) I hate the heat, too. I uh, am in Austin, Texas, and it is just a nightmare
0: yeah it is a nightmare what are you you doing down there if you hate it so much and also Liam what are you doing up there if you hate it so much (laughs) no but starting with you Sarah what the like shouldn't we all be like just moving north anyway because of the crushing uh uh, realities of climate change
2: yes I I grew up in Los Angeles well yeah I mean I grew up in Los Angeles and so there and it might be sorry it might be cliche but it's a dry heat
1: Right, right, yes.
2: So it, it gets hot just like in September or August, September. And it's like 100 and you're like, okay, it's hot. But that's all right. The rest of the year, it's amazing. And like Liam, 74 is, you know, my magic number. If it could be 74 every day, all day, maybe with some rain occasionally, whereas it gets in the 60s. That's what I want, and so apparently I need to move, uh, you know, to Portland or Seattle or somewhere
0: because or Newfoundland, Newfoundland, Canada needs the people. It's a it's a beloved location because of the musical. Uh, Come from Away, which I haven't seen, I don't know anything about outside of the general plot of it. But that's where everyone should be going. Very windy there if you like a lot of wind and for it to never be warm. That's a good spot to be spending your time. But <laughs> then, Sarah, we're not here to talk about the weather of my beloved <laughs> exactly, Newfoundland, we're Canada. Not. We are here to talk about the great George Kennedy, and specifically in this opening segment, I wanted to talk about game shows. Now, I'm going to start with you, Sarah. Are you a big fan of game shows as a format?
2: I am. I watch Jeopardy every single day, Mm -hmm. um, even though I don't like the current host. Uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) I don't. Um, But anyway, so but I love it. I love Jeopardy. I love game shows. I especially like game shows from like the 60s, the 70s, Sure. Uh, What's My Line, Uh, Password, um, and Match Game.
0: Match Game. I'm glad you bring up Match Game because I had both of you watch an episode of Match Game from Match Game 76, episode 666, which is exciting, Uh Uh, originally aired on March 10th, 1976, I uh, I really want to get everyone's thought generally on Mashgate game, but before we get to that, Liam, how about yourself? Are you a uh, are you a, uh, a game show aficionado? Nah, dog. No. <laughs> nah. This no. Is,
1: it, uh, to, when, so growing up, yes, game please. shows were always the bullshit that was on before the thing I wanted to actually watch. So I might sit through it, but it always felt like torture to me, and I just I just didn't understand why anyone enjoyed them. Uh, the one exception being, I always liked that. I don't even know what it's called. Maybe supermarket sweep or whatever. Sure, yeah. I just liked watching people run around a grocery store and throw shit in their cart. I always thought that was fun, just because it looked like chaos. Uh, and then I didn't even like the kids ones. Like there was all the like the double dares and the kids jumping into goo and stuff. Those were like kind of fun i guess but for the most part i thought all televised competition was bullshit until the british bake-off entered my life and now <laughs> and now i i kind of like certain kinds of competition shows but again i prefer the current format over the more uh, formal game show where we're on the set we got the host we do the thing i will occasionally watch clips from family feud with steve harvey Because while I don't normally like Steve Harvey, for some reason he encourages his guests to act like wild people. So like since he became the host, (laughs) they've been saying the most fucked up, insane things that I've seen on television. Mm -hmm. But that's not about – like I still don't think he's very funny as a comedian. But I like that somehow he's brought that out in people where they're just going crazy on there. That's funny. But I don't want to watch
0: a whole episode of Family
1: Feud. I just want – give me the clips. Cut together the clips of people saying crazy
0: shit, and I'll watch that. I uh, I used to enjoy the game show Classic Concentration growing up, uh, which was kind yes. of this the sub uh, game show, also hosted by Alex Trebek, and uh, it had like a, a, a play from home element because they had these what's the what are those picture uh, puzzles. Rebus? Rebus puzzles that you you got to play along with and you know you could feel that you were smarter than the people. I will say that I despise Wheel of Fortune. you know the idea that Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are always paired together to me it's just like it's the the ridiculous and the sublime paired together. Hey, what a comparison but Liam, if you enjoy people giving ridiculous answers to things, then you must be a big fan of match game. I mean before this I had never heard of match game what?
1: in my life. <laughs>
2: And, and, that is insane see this
1: is this is my thing when because uh, you know uh, a little uh behind the scenes for people before we got on the mic i said like how watching match came i was like this is crazy because to me the fact that you guys know what this is is like it's like when i'm at a party and i start going off about like an obscure sub-genre of death metal to like normal people who don't know what I'm talking about and I seem like a crazy person. That's how I feel when you guys are like, "Yeah, Match Game, of course everybody knows it." I'm like, "Who knows what this is? I don't I I barely know who the people on this show are, let alone well, yes. that the show exists. It's I've never <laughs> heard of it. I don't know it. Like I but then again, most of the game shows from my own youth, I don't remember. I, I, there's something about avoiding annoyed, right? But other than that, I don't remember most game no, shows.
2: No, no. No, that's you're, that's he, Dominoes.
1: That's a oh no no no. What's the no, the? you talki- no about- oh, yes, oh talking about you're talking luck, yes. luck. oh <laughs> Um, but I, again uh, I don't
0: know it doesn't matter to me I don't I should know also mention Liam that, that they brought Back Match Game a couple of years ago hosted by Alec Baldwin and it was quite successful for a while Really right? Yeah yes. and, in fact Whoa. one of the shows had, again hosted by Alec Baldwin had Sarah Palin oh. as one of the celebrities oh, oh. I know I know just throwing that out there awesome. I grew up I did not grow up on Match Game because obviously I was not alive in the 1970s but uh, I did grow up in my late teens early 20s watching it religiously on the Game Show Network, where they played like a big block of it every single day. And I became obsessed with the mid-70s styling, with Gene Rayburn, the host, with the variety of celebrities like yourself, Liam, many of, of whom I hadn't heard of. I became this massive fan of uh, Richard Dawson because he was the most reliable <laughs> contestant on it. I love the, the interplay between Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley. I am just a huge Match Game fanatic. I even have a box set DVD set of Match Game that I can pull out anytime I want, Liam. That's how much I enjoy it. As a concept. But for those like yourself, Liam, who are ignorant to the world of match game, could you explain to me how the <laughs> game is played? Okay. Yes. I,
1: I, I'm not sure I understood completely, but it seems like there there's a phrase missing a word or a series of words. Yes. And six celebrities pick something to go in that spot and you get a point if two of the celebrities agree with each other? No. No? <laughs> Okay, then I don't understand. Oh, uh, you
2: dog! You were mean. You were gonna let him just carry on like that.
1: <laughs> Why? I don't under what. What did I miss? I was confused the is, whole time. Look, it's
0: very simple. So the Gene Rayburn will give a clue, like a like a little phrase, like this: "Like ugly Edna." Uh, ugly Edna is so ugly. She how not only ugly has. Is she? Yeah, that's right. And the crowd will say, "How ugly is she?" Though <laughs> we didn't get that on this episode. Ugly Edna is so ugly. She not only has bow legs. She also has bow blank. And then the Team. contestant has to answer it. And then the every celebrity has to answer it, at least in the first round right and basically the person is trying to match with as many celebrities as possible and you get a point for each one that you match with and then you know then there's two contestants that are playing at a time and once you reach a certain level in it, or the time runs out then one person uh gets to move on to like a bonus round but we won't really talk about that in any detail here but it's really you're trying to match with these celebrities and the important thing to remember is that these celebrities? I know the, the, the it's the big joke that they would get drunk to it, uh, drunk uh, throughout the taping schedule because they you know do like five episodes in a row. But they are like out of their minds. <laughs> they don't <laughs> they don't seem to give a fuck about the contestants. A lot of times, some of them just stop trying. Some of them just try to amuse themselves by drawing pictures on the fucking cards that they have. It is a wild, fun time. And my favorite thing about it, as I've already mentioned, is Gene Rayburn, who really a he is. Quick to insult the contestants if they are giving bad answers, and B, he just seems to like to be involved in the 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 wild actions of these celebrities. So, Sarah, I know that you've had a lot more experience with Match Game than Liam has. Can you tell me a little bit about your own experience with it?
2: Sure. Um, my mom used to work nights, so uh, as a kid, and so whenever I got to see her it was like uh, in the afternoons when I got home from school. And so she would inevitably be watching, because this used to be on during the daytime. I
0: th- yeah, absolutely. In my memory,
2: anyway. And so I think they would a, have, like
0: a, sometimes they do like an AM, PM version of Yes, that, there I think. was yeah. a Match
2: Game PM, yeah, where mm-hmm. they were a little racier. Yeah. But I remember this, uh, I would come home, and I was real young, so kindergarten, something like that. So I would come home, and she would be watching like Match Game, and I remember Tattletales was also on. I think maybe back-to-back. And so, you know, I remember watching these with my mom. And then, like you, um, the game show, I I would watch reruns on the Game Show Network. And so, I I mean, I just love this show. And weirdly enough, uh, later on, they actually brought back this show in the 90s.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And um, I was taking um, film and television courses. And I for a brief time, was an intern for Mark Goodson Productions. What? Where I was answering the phone calls of people who would call in for both Family Feud and uh, Match Game. And so I was responsible uh, talking to um, potential contestants. And so if I liked the tone of their voice or just (laughs) the way they were, then I would pass them on and say, yes, you should talk to this person to be on the show
0: interesting that's really interesting you know uh that i don't know if it's the same era it it might have been the late 80s version or mid 80s version as opposed to the 90s version but there was a version with brad garrett from uh, everybody loves raymond who was regularly on it uh that's something i remember growing up just kind of vaguely but the classic match game that a lot of people remember is the match game era that we're going to be talking about right now now the guests on this episode include of course george kennedy brett summers charles nelson riley brett summers and charles nelson riley very commonly Um, are are paired together on the show. Lee Merriweather, Richard Dawson, and Betty White. So we do have a stacked lineup of guests here. Uh, A lot of the uh, interplay that you would expect out of an episode of Match Game. And honestly, we also have one of my other favorite things, which are two very unfunny and uninteresting contestants (laughs) who are playing this game, who are giving nothing but terrible answers. (laughs) Uh, George Kennedy, by the way, was promoting The Blue Knight, which was a crime drama series that aired on CBS from December 17th, 1975 until October. 20th 1976 uh, two seasons and there was a um, introductory TV movie which did not feature George Kennedy perhaps we can take a look at an episode of this in the future the plot of it is bumper Morgan (laughs) it's a great name is a veteran police officer in Los Angeles who continues to patrol the streets in uniform the series dealt with Morgan's daily dealings with dangerous criminals and drug dealers wow sounds actually pretty generic but maybe we'll check out the blue knight in the future uh, Liam, just sticking with you, tell me your, just your general thoughts on this episode of Match Game. What did you think of it? Even though you're not a fan of the series, what did you think of this and how George Kennedy acquitted himself?
1: Um, You know, I guess I do get the appeal, especially for audiences for whom these particular celebrities were familiar and interesting. Like, you know, I knew George Kennedy. I knew Betty White. The rest of the people, I was like, I think
0: I know who that you is. You know who Lee Merriweather is. She's Catwoman.
1: Okay, yeah. All right. From the sixties um, Batman
0: series, Liam. Come on.
1: I only respect one Catwoman from the sixties Batman series.
0: Earth a kid is I imagine who you're saying. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's not really true.
1: It just was it just was something that came to my head. Okay, so did you say you didn't know who Richard Dawson was?
0: No, I vaguely know who Richard Dawson is, but I don't really know who he is. Like, well you know I really... him from the running man, probably, not necessarily from his family feud.
1: That's but that's it. That's literally it's is I know he did a game show. I couldn't have told you which one. And I in, knew he did he was the in Hogan's games. Heroes. Hogan's Heroes, that's right. Okay, who was he on Hogan's Heroes? Cuz I actually did watch Hogan's Heroes. The um, Englishman? Yeah, the played by Richard Dawson. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. I don't remember that at all. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> the only What? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, look, Richard Dawson is such Richard Dawson's whole vibe has not necessarily aged well but I do have to say and honestly I mean I've heard many tales of him being like a complete asshole in real life but I have to say he was always like my favorite guy on Match Game because he just seemed to vibe with the guests so well in the like the final rounds when they're like it's it's all about the money at that point they almost always go to Richard because he's the only sensible one out of the whole group (laughs) but anyway Liam please continue your thoughts on Match Game
1: I mean, it seemed fun, I guess. I just oh, I, 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 couldn't pay enough attention to understand what the rules were. Obviously. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think the silliness of the celebrities is not as amusing to me as it is to them and apparently to you. <laughs> I just really was like, yeah, it's a bunch of annoying people being kind of annoying. I guess that's fun. Oh, come on. But it really isn't that interesting. I don't know. I don't like game shows, Doug. And this was like a poorly executed game show. I don't know. I don't I don't personally see the appeal. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It was oh, fine. Goodness.
0: All right. Well, let's I let's like George
1: it. Kennedy on it. He was very smooth.
0: Sarah, why don't you tell Liam what Match Game is all about and why this is a great episode of it?
2: Um, well, I think he knows what it's all about at this point, yeah. Well, and, that's true. I mean, he's, he's not much to be
0: able to recite the rules of it, but yes, <laughs> right.
1: I, it's Although, about
0: celebrities being drunk and funny, but it's yes. not that funny to me. No, the fact that they're not funny is also the point sometimes. Exactly. Like, they had, have all I these can't. kind of like, I fucking all these loser, loser late 70s celebrities like Jamie Farr is on it or something, and it's just like that's great, they're not funny, but look at them being all. All loose and relaxed with the ridiculous seventies clothing. It's all part of the package, Liam. Right, Please, and Sarah. Here's, there's
2: there's always a format to this show. Like okay. the first person, the first seat, the George Kennedy seat is usually someone who is popular on a popular show, and yes. they're there to promote something.
0: Brett and Charles.
2: Seat. Yes, it's a rotating seat. Brett and Charles are always there, although sometimes Charles is not there, and I believe Jack Klugman used to sit in that seat. Brett Summer's actual
0: husband. uh, Yes. Yes.
2: And their banter, whoo, you know, they hate each other. And it it shows. I could be wrong, but I think that's where he was sitting uh, was the Charles seat. And then the, the Lee Merriweather seat, who I love Lee Merriweather, a very handsome woman. She was Catwoman in that Batman movie from, is it 66? Yeah, 66, I I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, and Barnaby Jones, which is uh, probably what she was on at the time of this taping, I think. Anyway, so that seat is always the young, relatively young, hot woman seat. Inevitably, it's usually a blonde who's like, you know, silly and doesn't know what she's talking about. So <laughs> Lee Merriweather is is a bright spot here. No, really, it is.
0: I mean, I you're mean, right. You you're know, not wrong.
2: It's usually someone that's really baddie and doesn't know. And then there's always Richard, who uh, sometimes, though, toward the end of these shows, because he would get picked all the time. Yeah. And the other celebrities, I believe, just resented it at that point. Absolutely.
0: And he. You and could he
2: feel it. Knew they were going to pick him and he would have his pen ready. And if you look at his face, you could just tell like, oh, fuck, I have to do this again. (laughs) So, you know, and then the last seat is usually occupied by um, someone really fun, a female comedian uh, or, you know, a a comedic actress. It's Betty White, Fanny Flagg. Sometimes Joyce Boulefont was there and she was Mm -hmm. funny, too. All right, so so that's the layout, Liam, basically, and I know you don't care, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I love hearing it because it brought back a lot of memories. And that's you're 100 percent correct the, that that right. is the layout of the celebrities on this show.
2: And so um, George Kennedy, I thought, did really well, and for his first time. Usually, I mean, people in that seat because they're usually not repeat uh, people um, hardly ever match the contestants. Mm-hmm. And so George was two for three, if I'm not mistaken.
0: And, and, uh, and both times, Gene Rayburn was completely baffled at the idea of him matching. He couldn't believe right? that these terrible answers somehow match with George Kennedy. I think they made a joke that he had his pulse. He had his finger on the pulse of American society. <laughs> yeah, Brendan.
2: <laughs> and he was the one that caused the tiebreaker question because That's the right. only two points that they each, or each contestant had one point was because of his answer. Mm -hmm. And so um, I will say that his Burbank answer was funny on the question about, um, I forgot what the question was, but if you had to fill in the blank of a city,
0: yeah. oh, it was an American in Paris.
2: Paris, Yes. And then it was, they couldn't afford it. So it was American in blank. And so he said Burbank, which is always a gag uh, with the celebrities because Burbank is where all the studios were, but you know, it's boring
0: and nothing ever happens there. So. I was yelling at my wife. I'm like, Detroit, honey. It's Detroit, it's the mid 70s. <laughs> Everyone knows that place is a hellhole. And it's reinforced by actually uh, a movie related to the movie that we're gonna be talking about in just a few minutes, the Kentucky Fried movie, which half its fucking jokes are about how terrible Detroit is <laughs> as a place to live. Uh, any other thoughts, Sarah, on Match Game?
2: Uh, no, just that I love it. And if you ever wanna do a Match Game podcast, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus I'm your woman <laughs> I just want to Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I, I just want to point out the Detroit thing was like so confusing to me but I, I guess yeah I just I don't understand It well, has it a, really
2: racist overtones also because oh, they using the word. He, he definitely uh, said
0: ghetto twice and yes, I was like yes, Yeah 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 Liam any final thoughts on this episode of Match Game with the knowledge that you'll be watching more in the future I'm hoping I hope I get into it more because i I was watching it I could intellectually
1: understand the appeal but I just wasn't charmed by it but I thought well maybe if I watch more of it it could click for me although I don't know that diving into old irrelevant game shows is really what I want to choose for my future but maybe it is maybe that's where I'm going next who knows Wait
2: well, I will say don't please. watch like the first uh season of that show because I hadn't worked out. The format, really, and the questions were really bad. It was more like, instead of a story, it was more like, Jane went to the blank. And it it was so random that it was just not funny.
0: One of the big appeals of those questions is that there's an obvious dirty answer in a lot of them. (laughs) where, Where you know that they're not allowed to say it, or... And also, because of the sensibility of the time and how much it's shifted from where we are now, like, you're just saying at your television, it's like, "Uh, some dude's dick or something like that, like, you're just saying (laughs) it, That moment when I
1: was sure Betty White was about to say dick on TV. She is so filthy. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. And then she said dog. And I was like, Betty, what the fuck are we talking about right here? (laughs)
2: She is the most filthiest woman you will ever see on television. And I love her for it.
0: Well, that is uh, Match Game uh, episode 666 from March 10th, 1976, but our main event today is The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad from 1988. Let's take a break. When we return, The Naked Gun. In this city, there's crime on every street, but one man has seen enough. He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on his force will rush for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite, to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend.
2: Everyone should have a friend like you.
0: Is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better. He's welcome back at Police Squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. Ah! His girlfriend Ah! asked him to look her up. Nice beaver.
2: Thank you. I just had it stuffed.
0: Let me help you
1: with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister
0: plan. Incompetent police detective Frank Drebin must foil an attempt to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II. It's 1988's The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. More commonly known as just the naked gun, but it's important to note that this was a big screen version of the TV show Police Squad, the failed six-episode long series, which we'll get to talk about in just a minute. This was directed by David Zucker. You probably know him from his spoof films, including Airplane, Top Secret, uh, the other Naked Gun films, as well as Basketball, as well as his turn towards right-wing politics and American Carol in 2008, also known as Big Fat Important Movie. Uh, This was written, co-written, I should say, with uh, David's brother Jerry Zucker, also the co-director of Airplane and Top Secret. He went on to direct Rat Race, first night, and uh, the Oscar-winning ghost. Uh, Jim Abrams was their usual collaborator, uh, also co-director of Airplane and Top Secret, and he went on to direct Hot Shots, Hot Shots 2, and Jane Austen's Mafia. And in this case, they have another writer with them, Pat Proft, who uh, also wrote the first Police Academy, and Real Genius had a writing credit on that, and wrote many of these scary movie sequels. His only directorial credit is also uh, starring Le- Leslie Nielsen, Wrongfully Accused. This movie, as I mentioned before, stars uh, Le- Leslie Nielsen as Frank Drebin, Priscilla Presley as Jane Spencer, Ricardo Montalban, the great Ricardo Montalban, as Vincent Ludwig, and of course, George Kennedy as Ed Hawken. We have O.J. Simpson here as well. We'll talk about him in just a little bit, but before we get to any of that, one thing that we determined at the end of our most recent episode of George Kennedy as my co-pilot is that this is a film that neither of you had seen before, despite I believe both of you being a fan of Top Secret, uh, at least uh, somewhat being enthusiasts of of uh, airplane. L- people who listened to that episode knew that it kind of blew my mind to hear that, simply because this was such <laughs> a staple of of my childhood. Uh, even though I didn't understand many of the jokes when I was a kid, I'm actually going to start with you, Liam, because you are notoriously a fuddy duddy, and so oh
1: yeah, the the funniest. you are a
0: fuddy, you're the fuddiest of the duddiest, and I want to hear. Your thoughts on the Naked
1: Gun? Uh, well, first off, Doug, I was wrong. I've definitely seen this before. Uh, I I really I really I really I really thought I had. I really thought I had it, and and I didn't remember a lot of it. But there were certain jokes that was like, of course I've seen this. Like so when it starts and. Uh, uh, what's his name, you know, the murderer oh, guy. Oh, this is going well so far. Uh <laughs> <Ricardo> <laughs> <Maliban>? <laughs> No, 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 the actual murderer guy, uh, O.J. Simpson. When, he's, <laughs> uh, when, when, he, when he when he gets shot and he, like, falls around the room getting hurt in other ways, yeah. that joke resonated with me where I was like, oh, I've seen this joke before. But when it came to, like, what's the plot, I couldn't remember specifics of anything. It's just jokes stuck with me, I, I assume, from when I saw it as a kid. Sure. Uh, but I got to say... Um, just because they resonated with me at a really deep level doesn't mean any of them were particularly funny. Oh, uh, a lot of this movie's not funny. <laughs> and I was really surprised at that. I, it it kind of bummed me out because I had a similar experience recently on an episode of CinePunks where, like, we're going to do a John Candy nostalgia episode. Sure. And we covered three movies, uh, and only one of them I found funny all the way through. What were
0: those three movies?
1: Uh, Summer Rental, Great Outdoors, and Uncle Buck.
0: And which one did you find funny?
1: Uncle Buck,
0: yeah, which was
1: my choice. Uh, Great Outdoors is pretty funny, especially... I mean, the bear jumping on him is, like, fucking gold all the way through. It, like, resonates in my soul. But, oh, man, is Dan Aykroyd terrible in that movie. And then Summer Rental is not a movie. It's, like... (laughs) It's like it's like 10 skits just sort of woven together and then they just find a plot in the last 20 minutes of the movie. They're like, oh, wait, here's a plot. We're going to do a plot now. And you're like, now now we
0: don't need to listen to that episode of Cinepunks, at least. Yeah, exactly. That's all I
1: said. Um, and, and, And to be fair, though, there are parts of it that are funny, even if the whole thing isn't funny. That's how I felt about this. There are still jokes in this that I'm like, "Okay, all right. Yeah, that's good. But a lot of it, I just don't care, man. It doesn't work for me. Um, And that's like, uh, it's sad because I I know how important this is for so many people. And I'm like, okay, you know, I I obviously remember elements of this. So I wanted to like connect with it. And I just, I couldn't, Doug, I didn't find it. And if you don't find it funny there's nothing else to it right like it wasn't like i was like moved by leslie Nielsen's relationship with george kennedy or with uh what is that what's her Priscilla name presley uh, presley, Priscilla yeah, Priscilla presley. presley. <laughs> there's not it's not it's not no one's watching this going it's not that funny but at least it's moving you know what i mean like it the jokes have to work and i just i was at like a 25 percent ratio on the
0: jokes that's actually not a terrible ratio. No, but I mean,
1: well, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm saying it's just not as funny as I
0: wanted it to be. I will say on this viewing, and it's been a little while since I've watched The Naked Gun. I think that the that opening segment before the opening credits with Leslie Nielsen, uh, with all the world leaders, and and it has a bunch of slapstick. I don't. I think that's actually a really weak opening. But it going from that from the opening credits, which I love into the O.J. Simpson stuff with him kicking through the door and getting his foot sucked with them all. Putting I thought, I find that stuff so fucking funny, Liam, and I find a lot of this movie still very funny. There's a lot of dated elements, certainly a lot of, um, a lot of moments of the time, and it's also a style of comedy that, I mean, quite, um, it's very much a cliche That it's, you know Throw as many jokes as possible At the screen And hope that a few stick For me, this is still one That a lot of them do stick Maybe not the uh, the best Of these collaborators' work But it is one that I enjoy very much Sarah-Jane, what do you think Of your first viewing Of The Naked Gun?
2: Uh, Yes, it definitely was My first viewing of The Naked Gun And I, I think I explained On the last episode When we were talking about Your incredul- this, incredul- well, in- incredulity whatever, that I hadn't seen it. That uh, at the time I was like just getting into film and I was like super snobby. And so this would be, and I was working at the theater when this came out. And so it it was just, no, it was a no for me. So um, I honestly was not looking that forward to it because I figured I wasn't going to like it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really, I did watch police squad, the TV show at the time. And I did enjoy that because it was just a half hour. I believe it was half hour, you know, a short spurt of that. And in a small dose, it's funny. It can be funny, but in an extended, what was this? 88 minutes, 84 minutes. It was, I mean, at least it was brief. Uh, You know, as you said, there was, it was just packed with jokes. And um, to me, most of them uh, did not work. I didn't I laugh out loud once, but I did. What? But I did kind of chuckle at a couple of things. I will admit.
0: I, I laugh every time he drives his car to a scene and crashes <laughs> into the garbage cans. It's just, hey, you know what? Maybe it's because I'm an, I enjoy low comedy a little too much. This is there's very much a Mad Magazine vibe yeah. to the the whole you know the Zucker and Abrams uh, style. And it's something that, that I think appealed to me as a kid. And that is another thing that I have difficulty separating myself from, which is my enjoyment of this from when I was a kid. Like I, was, I said before, there was a lot of jokes in it that didn't make a lot of sense to me because I didn't understand like the safe sex jokes when they're in the, the huge condoms and things like that. Like as a kid, I'm like, what's going on? What is this supposed to be funny? Uh, not all of that is very funny now that I'm able to understand it either. But I do find you know a lot of this Maybe charming isn't the right word, but maybe the fact that it's meant to appeal to a very kind of um, prepubescent (laughs) sensibility is something that still appeals to me. And I think its hit rate is actually pretty good, though really what I want to get a sense of now is your thoughts generally on spoof movies. Now, this genre that we're watching with The Naked Gun, it's not uh, solely uh, occupied by this movie, Airplane, Top Secret, the Kentucky Fried movie, and their various offshoots, things like Hot Shots and Wrongfully Accused. There's lots of movies that fit into this category, things like Johnny Dangerously, like the scary movie franchise, even though that ties in with these uh, people as well. What are your thoughts, starting with you, Liam, what are your thoughts on spoof movies in general, and what are some of your favorites?
1: My memories of spoof movies as a kid is that they're great. Like I really have positive memories, even though I, I, don't like I said I, I I forgot all about this one and I forgot I had seen it I've watched Top Secret a million times I've watched Kentucky Fried Movie a million times I have positive movies What's the baseball one I think we talked about this last time and I couldn't remember the name of it
0: You're not talking about baseball No because that's not no, about baseball So which no. one What one you the one uh, with
1: uh with
2: uh the movies with Charlie Sheen.
0: Yes, the Charlie Sheen I don't think baseball. Spoof- Major ones. league.
2: That's not really a spoof movie. I don't think. Is that yeah, not a spoof
0: movie? No, it's not. Really, it is uh-huh. not a spoof movie.
1: Okay. Well, whatever. I do. I did see Hot Shots though in the theater. Oh, you know what? I speaking of John Candy, I saw Spaceballs on my birthday. Sure. Like I took a bunch of kids to see it, and that was like one of my favorite birthday memories—was going to see Spaceballs in the theater. So I, I generally have a positive sort of idea of it. Um, but as as I got older, the more modern ones, they seem to work less and less for me and now i wonder if i went back to some of the well i definitely not top secret i still enjoy top secret the last time i watched it which was you know maybe five years ago but i like was like oh man this is not gonna hold up and it totally held up for me but i bet like hot shots is probably not as funny as i thought it was (laughs) when i was like nine or uh I don't know. Parts of Kentucky Fried Movie are still pretty good. I guess I don't. I didn't think I. I recently rewatched Groove Tube, yeah, and I didn't right. find that quite as funny as I did <laughs> when I was ten. So, uh, you know, it's it sort of depends on the movie, I guess.
0: I uh, I used to rent the Groove Tube when I was a teenager mostly because of the fact that there's a lot of nudity in it and uh that was just a way even though it's like mid-70s nudity i was like wow look at all this i didn't understand really any of it i saw that on 35 millimeter a few years back and i actually enjoyed it quite a bit it is very inconsistent but that's the case with the kentucky fried movie as well has a lot of high points and a lot of very very low points sarah your thoughts on the spoof movie genre i mean where does uh, uh where does naked gun fit in the scope of the ones that you've seen and what are some of your favorites
2: well, as you can imagine, uh, I am not really a fan of this genre.
0: Mm-hmm. I did I'm see getting Airplane. that sense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you think? Uh,
2: I did see Airplane, and I saw it when it came out. I went mm-hmm. with my friends. Uh, their parents took them to the drive-in to see it. So I, I saw it, um, and I remember laughing and liking it, and I've seen it since, and I guess that's probably the high point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to bless my husband, Eric, he uh, has tried to get me to watch uh, some of these other movies. Like, I'd seen Top Secret on my own, and actually, that's probably the high point. I did like sure. that one. Um, but he showed me Kentucky Fried Movie, and he's like, oh, you pro- you'll probably like this one. No. Hated it. <laughs> hated every second of it. And then, uh, you guys mentioning Groove Tube. that's another one that he showed me, and I did not like it you know i did not i just it, it's these seem to be like boys movies and you, you know what pubescent right. i can't
0: disagree with that certainly i mean that's it, kind of and it's not just it's not sketch comedy in general but the sketch comedy that those movies focus on they do seem very male oriented for sure
2: right and it's not like i don't like um kind of lowbrow stuff i mean sure. and i and I, and i do i think i'm i am not unusual, but as a female, uh, I watch like a lot of exploitation and a lot of movies that would seem like they were mainly sure. focused for mm-hmm. men. And I and I love those. You know, I love nudity, I love sex, I love all that stuff. So it's not that I don't like that. It's just that this humor is just not for me. So You're puerile. Y- yes. So uh, <laughs> I think top secret number one uh then then airplane and then probably i guess i would probably put uh naked gun next just because it's <laughs> yeah. the most recent that i've seen and uh i didn't outright hate it like i did I gotta, movie.
1: <laughs> I gotta say too like i i agree with you sarah that they're that they're boy movies but naked gun to me and doug i'd like to hear your thoughts on this It felt not just like a boy movie, but a specific kind of boy movie, and 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 in fact, when you were saying like, "Oh, it's very juvenile humor," I don't know that I agree, Doug. This felt like a movie for dads, Mm. yeah, Uh, specifically dads with back the blue stickers on their car. Interesting,
0: because I mean, I don't know if you have noticed, it does not make the police force seem particularly competent. No,
1: but there's just I just remember leaving that part.
0: Where he's searching the guy's pockets, <laughs> who's come to that event with the queen, and but he's reaching into George right. Kennedy's pocket instead, and he pulls out his wallet. Uh-huh. Oh, are you uh-huh. kidding me? <laughs> but but
1: I I hear you. But there's just certain aspects. So like you mentioned that opening scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That is such an eighties opening it was so scene. So racist. Of- yeah. Yeah, racist and 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 like very much about American propaganda. Sure. And there was a lot of moments like that throughout the movie where I was kind of like, "This is really mm-hmm. probably funny to like a specific kind of Reagan voter." And for me, it's just like I, nothing is offensive, which some of these movies can be like straight up. C- Kentucky Fried up. Movie and, certainly uh, has
0: some scenes like that that are particularly funny. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And I don't think there's there was nothing I remember from Naked Gun where I was like, "All right, guys, we're we're going." But do I think like there's a vibe to it where a certain kind of dad probably thinks this is the funniest thing ever yeah man that's how I felt watching it, it was like eh, this is just not for me it doesn't it didn't bum me out but I just it didn't feel like we were on the same page uh, on certain things I mean I can see that
0: I mean I don't know about how much of the conservative bent of some of the participants in the directing and writing <laughs> process uh, necessarily uh, influenced the, the the style of comedy in it it could have just been the kind of flavor of a lot of comedy that time period but I mean sure, certainly I agree. as I already mentioned, that opening segment, that I think is the low point of the entire movie, gets off on the wrong foot uh, very much so. I do want to get your take, sticking with you for a second, Liam, about the performances in the film. Now, one of the things that that kind of separate a good spoof from a bad spoof, even though neither of you like this movie, is whether the characters are getting too winky at the camera, if they're playing it straight. One of the great things about Leslie Nielsen in Airplane is just how straight he plays it. And that, I think a lot of the comedy works in that film because of it. Here he's trying to play a straight character again. Uh, this is the movie that pretty much launched his career. I mean, Airplane, I, I should say the second stage of his career. He was a yeah. serious actor previously. Um, and then he did a lot of interesting exploitation work in the 70s. Airplane kind of relaunched him, but as, in terms of a leading man, I'm um, basically he rode the naked gun for the re- remainder of his entire career in. in into some really terrible movies as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Liam, what did you think of Leslie Nielsen in this movie? And what about uh, any of the other performances that may have stuck out for you?
1: I, I mean, I think he plays it more serious than in some of those, like, what was, isn't he in, like, a vampire movie? He's in Dracula
0: Dead and Loving It. He's in Repossessed, the Exorcist parody. Is is Dracula, there's a joke oh this is great please tell us (laughs) there's one sorry there's one joke
1: from Dracula Dead and Loving It that I still kind of remember but in my memory at least of that movie it's been a long time since I've seen it there's a lot more of him looking wild eyed at the camera like can you believe this is happening and that doesn't happen as much here but there's a couple of ridiculous moments with him that like are very much like "Huh, we're really going for it and I you know I don't necessarily love that but it, it never I didn't feel like his performance ever got to the point where I'm like now we're we're going over the top. It felt like he mostly played it serious, which you're right is what you want. Um, I actually weirdly like Ricardo Montalban. Why is this, that weird? Like, uh, well, just because it's such a
0: silly role, but I kind of like he's, him. He's as the just, one like, playing it straightest of all. He doesn't even he doesn't yeah. have any jokey moments. Yeah,
1: I think that's why. I think it's because he is so serious. Um, uh, and of course, I mean, we'll talk more about this, but of course, I like George Kennedy in it. Um, it's hard for me to be a, a fan of O.J. Simpson in this yes. movie uh, because of who O.J. Simpson is. And I don't... And it, it the only reason I... Don't want to say that uh, his performance is bad because I do think it's it's pretty okay. I also feel like the role is weird. Like I don't know why he's got to be the physical punchline of the movie as much as he is. But I guess like as far as being a physical punchline, he seems okay at it. I just find him so distasteful for me uh, uh, that like that 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 just seeing him in this kind of bummed me out. Like I'm picture like he's he's in the movie and all I can think about is him like. Making jokes about murdering people yeah. and hanging out with you know young models and thinking it's funny and all that kind of shit, you know. Uh, so it's hard for me to be as stoked uh, on him otherwise. But um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's, I, 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 I've, I don't have strong feelings on Priscilla Presley in this. Like I didn't feel like she's she's sort of like a again utilized more as a punchline in a lot of sure. senses. And I, and I didn't really feel one way or the other about her performance in and that. And I, and I don't know that that's her fault though. I, I feel like that might just be the script.
0: I, I think you she know? does a pretty good job considering that I don't really think of her as much of an actress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, at, that's at, fair. At, yeah, at the yeah. time in particular, it's not like she had a lot of profile in regards to that. And, and she plays it fairly straight as well. But yeah, I mean, there isn't a lot of range here. But I think the actor that you probably take away from this for good reason is Leslie Nielsen. Uh, over to you, Sarah. Any of the performances stand out? And what do you think of Leslie Nielsen as a comedic actor?
2: Um, I'm gonna agree with pretty much what everything that Liam just said uh, I love Leslie Nielsen and again I might have mentioned this in the other episode when we were talking about this coming up um, I think he's great he's in one of my favorite episodes of Columbo
0: right
2: <laughs> where he's against Patrick McGowan um, I mean he spoiler he dies early in that episode but the, the little that he's in it he's great And I just watched him in Forbidden Planet um, Mm -hmm. last weekend, which is like the third credit that screen credit that he has. Yeah. And so he pretty much plays the same kind of character. He's a really a good, uh, just solid, serious person. Yes. And so I think that's why he works here um if you want to see uh, an amazing uh movie with leslie nielsen in it and i'm trying to remember what it's called where he wrestles a bear yeah uh I, that is day of the animals
0: day of the animals that that's right i was looking up just to make sure but yeah i was shirtless bear wrestling
2: yeah it's i mean he's not a nice person and you know deserves no. what happens to him but he's so batshit crazy in that and you don't get to see him that way that often so that's fun. So this works because he is the straight man. And uh, the same with Ricardo Montalwan. You know, um, if you grew up in the 70s or watching 70s TV, you know him uh, from Fantasy Island. Or you know him as Khan from uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, which is and apparently so, how he
0: got this role was because right. of... Uh, yeah.
2: So he's pretty much, uh, p- yeah, back off of that. And so I, I think he's great and he's fun. Although... Uh, Bless him. That is like the worst toupee. And at one point, he turns uh-huh, uh-huh. and you see the back of it, like when he's trying to hurry uh, somebody out of his office. And I'm like, Oh, please, no! That. As my husband says, Oh, honey, you know that's that was bad. Um. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure why Priscilla Presley is in this movie. It's kind of As a strange this, inclusion, yeah. Yeah, because she was just known for being Elvis Presley's wife and the mother of, you know, Lisa Marie. I don't think she was really doing anything. So, you know, I, I'm curious to know why she was selected because there's plenty of other beautiful women that you could have put in that role. I mean, yeah. I guess it's nice that they put a woman that was... Closer to Leslie um, Nielsen's age, you know, and not just put someone in there who was like 20. Right. I mean, not, you know, Priscilla Pesley wasn't old, but she was certainly wasn't young either. Yeah, but she, she, was, she was. I think
0: she was 40 in this, by the way.
2: Yeah. I mean, she looked great. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was fine. Uh, she did her job, you know. <laughs> That's the best you could say about that. So how about, I how, about the o- how about
0: the OJ Simpson inclusion? Did that bother you like it, uh, like it bothered Liam?
2: You know, I find him really repellent. Yes. Um, I, I was able to kind of look past it. I mean, there wasn't a moment when he was on screen where I wasn't thinking murderer. Sure. But. Um, I will say that I think he was probably because Liam asked why was he so randomly picked for that role, and I think because at that point he was probably like the most solid, the most strong, yeah. the most uh, even graceful pers- because of it. Yeah, yeah. So he wouldn't be a person who, uh, especially as he was graceful, because you see those old was that Avis? Uh, oh yeah,
0: the Avis, the the, uh, oh, the yeah, oh, yeah where was like the, the right,
2: and so. I think that's why um, he was probably put in this role because you would—he's the least likely person that you would think that that shit would happen to. No, honestly, I mean. No, you're exactly you know. right.
0: The idea that—I mean—that that someone who is shown to be so have such a great hand-eye coordination would be this incredible klutz that would just injure himself constantly.
2: Right. I mean, and some of that, all the injuries wasn't his fault. I mean, a lot of it was, you know, Leslie Nielsen's fault, but not all of it. <laughs>
0: so when he's when he's hurting himself, <laughs> but one of the things he does is he leans against the newly painted door and he just goes,
2: "Oh." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, I I was able to just, you know, just roll with it. <laughs>
0: Hey, you know what? I love this movie. uh, As I remember gags from it. I know you do, you weirdo. I'm enjoying it more and more. I've already mentioned a couple of my own favorite. Now, with the knowledge, Liam, that 25% of this uh, worked for you, which meant that 75% didn't, of those 25%, what are some of the gags that you remember from this film?
1: Oh, man. I mean, a lot of it is very forgettable for me, Doug. Sure. Uh, Like I said, when he's... I, again, I hate that I'm praising OJ Simpson. And for me, it is very much like a recent thing. I, I probably watched this movie at some point just after the trial, but sure. I was so like ambivalent about the trial itself that I probably didn't even notice. But now it's been so many years of him continuing to shit the bed that yes. I'm like, ah, oh, this motherfucker. Uh, like I said, that opening scene where he just keeps hurting himself, I just, something about that really fucking <laughs> makes me laugh the whole time. Um, aspects of some of the stuff between leslie nielsen and priscilla presley like they they do do like 10 jokes in a row and one of them might make me giggle a little bit you know what you I mean? must
0: love that montage of them getting to know each other where they fucking clotheslined the couple on the beach it's fine that was fine <laughs> I, I i i don't know i i thought i was a fan of physical humor doug but i don't find
1: all the slapstick in this movie that well sort of uh, execute. I mean, when he's straddling the queen, that was pretty good. I thought that I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And when he's when he's when some of the fish stuff, I think is a little funny. Like he's just very good at the whole like. Ricardo Montalban turns around and he's pretending nothing's going on. Like that's kind of funny, but like it, in the I end, it just when goes trashing for... his
0: apartment by mistake. Where he's he's, yeah. he's trying to catch all the priceless phases, and then just knocks over the whole thing again. Some uh... of that
1: is funny, Doug. Here's what I think: I think every single one, every single one of those gags is at least a minute too long. Eat every Ooh. single fucking one. They go on forever, and there's always a final crescendo that I feel like is like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. All right, like I just always feel like. Those moments are not punctuated well. And I think my style would be if you're going to end on something ridiculous, get to the ridiculous thing sooner than you do. Like I think it. it, it, this is hard to say in a movie where so much ridiculous shit happens. But Uh the style is actually more of a slow buildup. Start mildly ridiculous, then get a little more ridiculous, and then end with some over-the-top magical bullshit that we all just think is funny. I just feel like it takes too long sometimes to get to the best. And some of the middle parts are just go on for fucking ever. And it gets on my nerves a little bit. Now, now, like one of the things that does still make me laugh, I gotta say, when every single baseball player is spitting, that act, something <laughs> like that kind of did make me giggle. And their bit. wives! <laughs> the wives, too, that made me laugh a little
0: bit, yeah. I was just thinking about when Leslie Nielsen is pretending to be the umpire, and, and he realizes how excited the crowd gets when he's calling a strike, so he just gets super into it and just calls them immediately, even before. You know what? Maybe this is a movie just made for me sarah were there any <laughs> gags that stuck out in a positive manner? Uh, for you? i will
2: say that yeah um doug puts up like an outline for us to look at and the bullet point for this is favorite gag and then parentheses and <laughs> s like maybe there was only one that hey, we might like i'm leaving it open <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um like liam you know, a lot of them just didn't stick in my mind, but I did write down a, a few here. And they're for the beginning. Um, not the cold opening, but um, <laughs> when they're driving from the airport back to the police station, <laughs> you know, he backs into a luggage cart and you don't think anything of it. But when they pull into the station and he's got all the luggage carts like attached to the car, I th- <laughs> in my mind, I went, OK, that's funny. So that made me laugh. See, that's not even that funny, but to me it was funny. (laughs) That's where my That that,
0: that scene. That scene has probably like the the part that happens right before that might be the one of the most quoted movie lines in my household growing up. Which is when, when Frank Trevin is talking about his breakup with his girlfriend, and he says that everything he sees makes her think of her, makes him think of her, and he looks up, and there's those nuclear like towers that look like breasts. Yes. On the Whenever if there's a round building of any kind, if there's <laughs> anything that looks vaguely sexual, my brothers and I would always go be like, everything I see reminds <laughs> me of her, always. So, so yes, look, I can, apparently I can just name any, any more, Sarah. <laughs> uh,
2: the, um, when they go back to the Harbor to look at that boat and, uh, they're like, well, let's go check out, uh, the death scene or whatever. And then there's a chalk outline <laughs> in the water that made me, that made me think, okay, that's all right. And then, <laughs>
1: I like that you think it's funny that I'm trying to find things that are funny. <laughs> Liam mentioned. Doug, I, I, I'm i so surprised, Doug, that this is like the height of humor.
0: For me. Like I knew you would like it, but you really fucking love this. I do. I like, look, I know that, that uh, you think that this is some sort of right wing Reagan-esque fucking era uh, comedy. But to me, it's just like, it's the silliest shit. And watching grown adults just be unbelievably silly to me. Is yeah. something that will always tickle my funny bone, Liam. Uh, oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, no. I, I that first that grunt was me going. I can't say anything to that. I give <laughs> okay. up. Uh,
2: there, I the. Um, and I think it was Liam already mentioned this when he's in the uh, office with Ricardo Montalban for the first time, and he tells him about the pen that's absolutely unbreakable. I thought, okay, he's going to touch that pen and try to break it, and so that made me laugh because just the thought of it before he even did it and then he was sitting there trying to break it that made me laugh a, a, a little bit and then um Doug you mentioned when he was being an umpire and the first time the first call that he makes after the pitch and he's like you know i think he's like strike you know yeah.
1: <laughs> he, that that was he funny. wasn't
2: sure that made me laugh. And then um, right before that, when they were announcing the line of sportscasters, you know, it was like Kurt Gowdy, Jim Palmer, and they kept going on. Uh, because I watch a lot of baseball, or I used to as a kid. Sure. And so they just kept going. And then, and of course, with Dr. Joyce Brothers, because she was always a punchline <laughs> back then. Or earlier than that. That made me laugh. And can I just point out, because I did watch a lot of baseball, that they were not... Sure a lot of those shots were not of Angel Stadium. They were yes. of Dodger Stadium. <laughs> I'm like, that's the pavilion. Come on. So, you know, anyway.
0: And, of course, we all remember the classic, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> 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 and Frank Trevner reveals himself. You know yeah. what, I'm going to stop just uh, listing yeah, them off Yeah, that, that's all I because, had, actually. Obviously, sorry. <laughs> I, and it, I have to be honest, in some way, the, the fact that, neither of you found it very amusing, just makes it all the more amusing to me, <laughs> which, is, which, which is a part of my personality that my wife hates. <laughs> sure, yeah. Let's talk about George Kennedy as Ed Hocken. We haven't really talked much about him. Uh, George Kennedy taking over the role of Alan North from the TV show. He's the captain of the police squad. Um, here, he's basically <laughs> has to play Frank Drebin's sidekick, even though he's his superior uh, in the police squad itself. He has a lot of good gags, uh, this is probably, for people of my age, very likely, I would say, the role that you think of in regards to George Kennedy. Uh, you know, post-1970s, his work in Airport, his work in the 60s with Cool Hand Luke. Obviously, he was a very famous actor. But when I was growing up, if I knew who George Kennedy was, it was because of him in Police, uh, in, sorry, in The Naked Gun or its various sequels. Uh, starting with you, Sarah, what did you think of George Kennedy?
2: Um, I thought, was okay again he was playing it as straight as you know everyone else and so I kind of wish there was more of (laughs) them he was in it more you know but I I thought he was fine there were times where he looked like Burt Young to me and I don't even know how that was possible. but there were a couple of shots (laughs) I'm like wow he looks like Burt Young what's going on
0: (laughs) I whenever I think of uh, George Kennedy in this, I think of that scene where Frank Trebin is getting the um, the the uh, gadgets. There's, so there's a, a Q-like character yeah. uh, in this who who gives him the gadgets. And by the way, I also love that part where they're they're going into the room with the gadgets, and the camera is panning across, and it's obviously you know yes. just like in every yeah. movie, it's two rooms. But uh, there's no wall, of course, on the on the side that we're seeing and Lizzie Nilsson just walks around the that wall to get into it. <laughs> but uh, it, basically, they have a pair of couplings that can shoot darts and, and the, the, the guy shoots it at George Kennedy <laughs> and he goes, why? And he just collapses. Yeah. Um, so I found that very funny. <laughs> Liam, what did you think of George Kennedy in this film? <laughs> I mean he was great. Like I, I don't have
1: any <laughs> negative thing to say. He's just sort of hanging out. It's it is funny to think about like going from the movie we recently watched where he beats a man to death in the street with a chain and then to this movie where he's just like, Hey, whatever you need. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's like it's like, oh yeah, like I don't know before doing this podcast if I would have been aware that George Kennedy had a range. But he really does. Like I mean, I guess it's just like uh, you know, large, imposing American man. It's like, well, he can be threatening or funny or both, right? And right. uh in this one, he's funny. He's it, there is something very goofy about it, but like it worked for me. I was I was never like, oh, poor George Kennedy. Like, I thought I felt like he was a good addition to the film. I don't know that he does anything that's so funny that I'm like, ah, oh, he's, uh, But it's like, you know, he, it, it's good. It's He's he's cool in the role and I like him in the role.
0: He has to be the more straight counterpoint right. sometimes to Leslie Nielsen's buffoonery. Uh, so that's, it's, it's not the kind of role where you get a lot of the best gags, but he is a participant in some really funny ones. In yeah. it, um, it uh, my, uh, I read this off the IMDB trivia, so you have to take it with a grain of salt that one of the reasons that he got cast in this is that he basically demanded a role in this after he missed out on a role in Airplane, which of course, of course he would want to be in airplane since it was, you know, centrally a spoof of the airport movies as well as Zero Hour. People know that it's, it, a lot of the dialogue comes from an actual film, but certainly there would be no airplane without the airport films, and George Kennedy, I think, was bummed that he wasn't in airplane, so he ended up in this one, and it obviously did a lot of good for his career. Um, I think he gets a little bit more to do in some of the sequels, but my memory might be a little faulty on that. I think he acquits himself really well. I mean, he's such a reliable actor anyway. And he, just like Leslie Nielsen, has a level of gravitas. Thankfully, he doesn't have to do, like, you know, there are scenes in this where where Leslie Nielsen has to be very broad like when he's sniffing the uh old chinese food and has to cross his eyes and collapse george kennedy doesn't have to embarrass himself outside of the fact that at the ball game he has to eat like (laughs) an entire he's like stuffing all the different food in his mouth hey maybe i was wrong in that thing i just said generally but i think george kennedy is great in this and there's a reason that people kind of connected them almost as a comedy team to the point Where in the future, we're going to be watching the clips of both George Kennedy and Leslie Nielsen looking for The Undertaker in, I think it's the 1994 SummerSlam wrestling event. Hey, we got to watch everything involving George Kennedy at some point. Liam, you sound very excited. I can hear you in the background right now.
1: uh, I mean, you know, I I can't wait to do our Undertaker coverage since I'm so interested in this theme we're developing of crypto-fascism. That'll be really
0: great. Yeah, talk about the thin blue line. He loves that shit. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll we'll be moving on to that once we get into the sequels of this, which might be a little bit down the road, because we have a lot of George Kennedy road to cover between now and then. In fact, on the next episode of George Kennedy is my co-pilot, we're going to be looking at one that, uh, I, I, honestly, when I first announced on, uh, on social media that this is a podcast that was in development, one of the films that was very commonly recommended for me to cover, and for us to cover, is 1980s Death Ship. And I was very high on this because it is a Canadian co-production, which involves a lot of Canadian actors in supporting roles, which always makes me very excited. And of course, we didn't really talk about it, but Leslie Nielsen was uh, was uh, Canadian as well, though he's not in Death, Death Ship. George <laughs> Kennedy is in it, which is why we're going to watch it on the next episode of George Kennedy is my co-pilot. Uh, either of you have any familiarity or, or uh, experience with Death Ship, starting with you, uh,
2: I have seen Death Ship, in fact. It's been a few years, but I remember liking it, so I'm looking forward to this uh, rewatch. It's a story by Jack Hill, so, you know, there you
0: go. It's gotta be good. Liam, Death Ship.
1: I've never seen it, but this poster is one of... It's great, isn't it? It's one of those Johns I remember from VHS box. Like, I, I definitely saw this at the video store and thought, oh, I'll get that next time, and it just never got to it.
0: Well, now's your now's your opportunity after watching the movie. You're gonna run out and get yourself a Death Ship poster for the next episode of George Kennedy is my co-pilot, Sarah, you didn't like the movie. (laughs) You didn't like Naked Gun, but that's okay. There's always another kick at the can coming around the corner, and you've already seen Death Ship, and you remember potentially enjoying it. So maybe next time, uh, I mean, at the very least, we're going to get a good bit of George Kennedy on it. So we're all going to have a little bit of enjoyment there. Uh, Probably won't make... Lee and watch another episode of Match Game next time. We'll come up with something else. Uh, Sarah, if people want to check out your work and what you're up to at the moment, what's the best way for them to do
2: that? So? Uh, you can find me. I'm um, a contributing writer for the Austin Chronicle. I've got a review in this week's issue for uh, Mr. Malcolm's List, a movie very far removed from any kind of naked gun movie. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) uh, I also, with my husband, have a YouTube channel called Slaves of Chinatown, where we show uh, movies that you can't find, uh, not just movies, TV shows, ephemera from uh, pop culture, TV, movies, whatever, um, that you can't find anywhere, so you can look us up there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, although taking a hiatus at adfuckthis.com. And uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at uh, at This.
0: Liam, I know that there's been a lot added recently to CinePunks and uh, a lot of exciting stuff happening with Rough Cut as well. Why don't you tell us where people can find you as well?
1: Sure. Uh, if people are interested in cinepunks, they can head over to com. Of course, we've got the new podcast, The Carnage Report. Uh, we got another uh, new podcast that should be coming soon. People should keep an eye out. And we've got, of course, uh, the latest episodes of this show and some of our uh, sibling shows like uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve, Horror Business, uh, Tomb of Ideas, lots of lots of stuff, wine and cheese, all that stuff. Um, we also have some writing going up. As I said, uh, Justin Lure has uh, been covering the Chattanooga Film Fest, which is really great. Um, I've got a new essay that should be out by the time that this uh, comes out. So check that out. Uh, and as you said, rough cut um we've done a lot of new stuff with like Mandy and we had those uh seventh curse shirts sure. uh and by the time that this episode comes out we should have up we're, we're doing um a benefit shirt for abortion funds mm-hmm. uh and I, I and so i believe uh we're doing dirty dancing uh, oh wow! Yeah, and we might be doing a second thing, but I don't actually know. So I, I, I'll know by the time that you guys know.
0: It would be uh, so amazing if the Dirty Dancing shirt was your most successful <laughs> shirt ever, and then you'd have to yeah. turn. You'd have to turn to covering like '80s, <laughs> <Yeah>. romantic dramas.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's 100 a good choice. I, I I think that for me, that's a that is an example of a, of a movie I think is underrated only because of what it is. You know, sure. like it's not a perfect movie or anything, but it's it's very good at. What it's trying to do. And I think it succeeds, but because what it's trying to do has become very passe, that people sort of throw it out as like something to make fun of. And I don't think that's very fair. Um, Anyways. Uh, If you want to keep in touch with what CinePunks is about and doing in the world, find us on social media, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, they can head to our website, uh, com to dive into the archives, not only of uh, George Kennedy as my co-pilot, but uh, a whole variety of other topics that we tackle, uh, some on our own, some with uh, co-hosts, and uh, it's a lot of fun over there at Cinema Smorgasbord.
0: Yeah, cinemasmorgasport.com or cinemasmorg on Twitter. That's S M O R G. Podcasts like Bartell Me Something Good about the great Paul Bartell, Jodorowski about the Alejandro Jodorowski filmography, Jackie Chan podcast. We do our own stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff. Over there at cinemasmorgasbord.com You can follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules That's R-U-L-Z and I'm on there as well At Doug underscore Tilly That's T-I-L-L-E-Y Do you enjoy what you're listening right now? I hope you do because you (laughs) listen all the way to the end Why don't you leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice Or even better why don't you tell a friend Hey you need to listen to George Kennedy as my co-pilot And when they say who's George Kennedy You can say the guy from Naked Gun See it all fits together Why don't you do that for me Your personal friend Doug Tilly Why don't you also follow me on Twitter at the same time But for now we need to close the George Kennedy Bag for another week. We're gonna be back very soon with 1980s Death Ship.
1: Get ready to match the
0: stars: George Kennedy,
1: Brett Summer, Charles Nelson Reilly, Lee Merriweather, Richard Dawson, and Betty White, as we play the star-studded big money match game 76.